Hey everybody, it's the shooting the oh sheep podcast. No, we're not using that. We're not yeah, doing no, that. We're not one. using that as the <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think no. that's a good cold open. No, <laughs> I, I love you too much. Okay, my mood's my mood's elevating now. I'm I'm get, I got it out of my system to the best I can. The bile is receded and my humors have rebalanced. It's the shooting the sheep podcast, and uh, I think you can open on the cold open of you guys shutting me down to say our cold open was a complete sandbag of a really grim cold open that we started. I'm Jay. I'm Miles. I'm Jay. She, they pronouns. Oh, (laughs) other Jay is he, him. And I'm he, him as well. And we've been doing this for a couple of episodes now. And I, you know what? It, it's a, it's a real indictment on, on just like my, my existence as cisgender that I, don't think about using my pronouns in like I, I I'm still adjusting to it. Girl, I have to steal the intro for this podcast so I can start it, so I can at the very least just be like, let me lead the way. I, as trans, shall lead the way forward. Also, we have a beloved guest here today. Hi, hi. Would you introduce yourself, friend. Okay, I okay. Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Zoe. Uh, they she. Um. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's about yeah. You're, if you're, you're our other listener who's listened to this podcast, this is the other of the two <laughs> listeners we have. If we had our other yeah. listener on here, then everyone who listens to the podcast would be on it. But if you're listening to this podcast, reach out to us at uh, our contact information in the description because then you can be on the podcast as long as you listen to it. That is your Willy Wonka golden ticket. Really? I I, I am not I am not accepting that. Uh, no. Zoe is not on purely because she listens to the podcast. She's on because she's our friend. Yeah, and I'm here to set the bar super low for other guests that you get on. I thought it's because your last your name began with the letter Z, which is a really cool letter, which we haven't incorporated yet. Zoe, if there is one thing you have never done in my experience with you with RPGs, it's set the bar low. You you are constantly raising that bar for both GMing and for playing. So take the oh, compliment. Thanks. You're on I here because you deserve it. Is having Zoe on the podcast going to mean we're going to be a kinder and gentler shooting the sheet podcast? Probably fuck no. But one could hope. I'm the one. It might if we remember to give Zoe opportunities to actually talk over us. Oh my goodness. I'm excited to hear Zoe talk over us. And I hope you do. And as uh, Jay was saying. Somebody needs to. Um, what was I saying? That this is a podcast where mumbly dorks talk about tabletop RPGs. Uh, good of us to not get to that part yet, but, uh, we have a, a little bit of a manic energy mood That's today. What it's all about bantering. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so do we want to start off with news or do we want to start off with worst Jerry? Cause I threw that worst Jerry prompt in before we, uh, had a missed episode last week. Remind me what the prompt was. Yeah, strain. I wasn't in the chat for that. Strain. It was strain. Specifically strain. So that can be many different kinds of things. Um, uh, my first thought for it was literally just a... Um, just like a small little creature. Just, just, like a, a, just like a little creature who's got their little, like suit of armor cobbled together and they've got they've got a shield made of made of a little strainer uh, uh, 
that kind of but then, yeah, but then you've also got like, like disease yeah. strain you've got exhaustion strain that's why i used it it it's a it's a it's an open concept that you could have spent time thinking about but we all forgot existed okay i have a little guy well i guess i spoiled it it's also a little guy um a little uh clay or dirt um man who's pushing a big ball straining with this big ball and he throws the ball at people but um Help me, how does this ball get back to him? Because this has to be a uh, Sisyphean task. Um, he has to go get it's, it. He has to it's get very, it. Let's it's very it. iron rich and he's made of magnets. Uh, yeah, and you know what? If he is not holding the ball uh, for 30 seconds, his heart stops. Thanks, Pokemon. Um, pushing the ball causes him immense uh, discomfort and pain, but if he's not doing it, he will die. Again. I feel like half these worst here uh, entries are just gonna sound like Pokedex entries. Here, I got a gross one for you. It's called the Tendon Eater. It's a little parasite that gets into your ligaments and nibbles away at your tendons, weakening them. So if you use that muscle wrong in another like physically strenuous situation, it just rips. <laughs> I mean, that and... just sounds like aging. Oh, uh, yes, it's actually been um, in a certain culture that this parasite exists in uh it is seen as the the source of aging you know mm. Ooh, Zoe, do you uh, have i'm trying to think of uh mostly i just keep thinking about some type of like ghost or spirit that just uh basically like latches on and possesses you and just keeps increasing your stress and anxiety and is a strain on you and I might just pro be projecting real life stuff. And it's oh, called yeah. capitalism. Yeah. Oh, you know, that, yeah. that makes me think. Uh, what what were the little things called in um, uh, Legend of Zelda: Wind Waker in the uh, second dungeon? Uh, the little, uh, spiky they boys. were called oh, cenobites. Hmm. No, no. no. And it's just. Ooh, or if we wanted to go in a cyberpunk computer thing. I, I blame Jay for the fact that uh, the Digimon movie is now embedded in my brain. But, you weren't uh, even paying attention to it. I and wasn't. This is like the second time you've referenced it. In like a week and a in two weeks. Yeah. But uh, something where you just like overload a system just by spamming it and causing a lot of strain on the resources. Mm. Um, which I hope like I'm not giving uh, Jay a status effect for our characters in an upcoming game. Because... That seems like something he could do to us. Yeah, it's just a certain hack that, like, repurposes your uh, processor for, like, outsourced crypto mining. <laughs> and just makes your processing speed go to shit. You're overheated and sucks. Okay, not to get off yeah, topic, our... I did have the thought that Jay might throw, like, one of us getting, like, kicked out and having to deal with a blackout. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> It should be me. Realistically, it should be my character. Um, You'd have to tell me where you're all playing from, and that's what's interesting. Are you at, like, your home computer, or, like, are you at the library, jacked in? We're, we're playing a game where, basically, we are... Uh... We'll get to it later. We'll describe it. I got a dog trundling around at me right now. He's being a real licky-loo. He just ate his dinner, and now he's happy. Stop or, being happy. Or he needs something and he's not happy. We're all being laid beset to by the strain ghost. Having a dog is interesting when his only response to anything is licking your feet. If he needs to go to the bathroom, he'll lick your feet. If he's hungry, he'll lick your feet. If he's thirsty, he'll lick your feet. 
when he's happy because he just ate, he licks your feet. Uh, my, my dog has one response to everything, and it's probably because whenever he licks my feet, I go, and I go and I touch his ears. Okay. Listen to Jay bragging about how she spends all day with her feet licked. <laughs> Must be nice. Listen, no, no, I can't. I've been watching the eight-hour retrospective of Victorious while working on some stuff there today. There is so much feet <laughs> shit in those Nickelodeon sitcoms. I had no idea. Oh, this one and yeah. uh, talked about the internet special where the main character Victorious had ketchup squirted on her feet oh. and had to make them dance. Oh, smeared around. I'll yeah. sign. All right. So news. Concert warnings for this. News? Episode? Yeah, here's some. Strain. We put some strain on the listeners with this one. Um, oh, I do. Um, the, um, that, the words are hard. Uh, so, um, SFWA announced the Nebula Award finalists, and there is a category for game writing. And hmm. both, uh, Thirsty Sword Lesbians and Wonder Home are finalists. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, do you want the other ones? Yeah, might yes. as well give them yeah, a Yeah, uh, after. there's Coyote and Crow, which I think I've heard about. Um, there's Grandma's Hand, which I've never heard of. <laughs> and then, very curious. Yeah, that's weird. And then there's, um, Wilder Myth. Um, oh, which okay. Is on my wish list, and I want to play. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can only speak of one of those, which is Thirsty Sword Lesbians, and it does have great writing in the book. Um, Wanderhome also has like fantastic on a, writing on a, in the book. On a pre-prepared, like, plot thing, or like, how how is writing... How is writing judged in a TTRPG book? Does it act like adequately convey game systems while also providing, you know, proper context and like flavor? Would be my I, assumption. It's probably. I, see, I was just curious because I, I, you know, see it as fundamentally the players or or the people who buy the books are the one writing things for it. You know. Well, I think Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which is. Uh, Setting agnostic does a very good job of, uh, as you said, like explaining their systems as well as they offer a bunch of like little mini setting ideas. Like they literally have a coffee shop AU setting for Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Just, yeah, you can just do this. Then they have like a sci-fi one. It doesn't necessarily mean the writing is... It, it, I get, I get, it is kind of an odd thing. And now I'm talking and please someone stop me because I'm in a sentence that I can't escape from. Please save me. That's a, that's another good thing for the no. worst scary. It's a a curse that is a uh, maybe it's a spell, but it's a sentence that you can't escape from. It's the opposite of silence, but it actually should also prevent you from being able to cast somatic component spells. It, it's like run on sentence, but it's you like, just get compoundingly embarrassed by it. It's a curse where you are you are uh, actually forced to fill dead air. <laughs> oh wow! No, I don't want um, it. Oh. But no, that's. Uh, I had uh, another piece of news as well, but I also looked up what uh, Grandma's Hand was. It's apparently a superhero RPG. Really? Yeah, I was not guessing that. Favorite I was guessing about grandma thing. Grandma. Um, um, it's mostly from um, um, black uh, black people's um, uh, takeaway. That's the main focus, and uh, that uh, words are hard. Why'd you have me on a talking podcast? <laughs> Would you rather join our modeling podcast? No. Modeling podcast? <laughs> no, it's so fine. you're it's fine. Still a pod it's still a podcast. You can just pretend to have good angles. Great. 
And also, Zoe, if there's ever anything you say that you don't want us to have in there, we can edit it out until I forget. Um, in which case, sorry, the internet will know forever. All two of you. Um, yeah, it's it's why I listened to the new release of every single episode of all three podcasts I'm in, just to make <laughs> sure there wasn't anything that was supposed to get edited out that didn't. <laughs> That's good. I try, but... That end of statement, I try, but... Um, but anyway, uh, other news. Um, Dungeon Alchemist, I've talked about it a couple of times before on the podcast, but it's getting its official release at the end of March. They just sent out notifications and everything like, Ooh. hey, we're going into full release. We're going to start to do the, uh, the like stretch goals and Kickstarter backer stuff. Uh, but, you know, they've been they've been adding a lot. They've been adding a lot of exterior environments. So it's not just, you know, buildings anymore. It's it's some good shit. It oh, has continued that, like, to develop over the course of the beta. This is the one you sort of do a tile set drawing of the layouts of like a room and then it like 3D models it all out. Yeah, you can do 3D or 2D. It can be imported to a bunch of different VTTs straight out. It's it's a really good program. Um, and yeah, they're nearing full open release at the end of March. I'm definitely really yeah. excited to see how... Listen, I love the idea of making maps, but then when I actually start them... I get really just antsy. Antsy. Um, I'm like, oh, this is just nothing. I mean, I've gotten much more in the mood of just taking people's maps insofar as taking them. That sounds, you know, just looking up online. Cause yeah, my favorite ones to use are a two minute tabletop. They're on Tumblr. They do really nice maps. Yeah. Most of them are free, mm -hmm. but you can pay for some of them. No, honestly, they do have good stuff. This is a uh, glowing uh, endorsement because I like their stuff. I'm going to find out that they're terrible in the first, politically. Just. In my recent first game I ever jammed, I literally just used Google Maps of a town in Sweden. To be fair, you're using a... Most tile yeah, set game file. Yeah. It was, it, you know, it was Google Maps and GIMP. Mm-hmm. GIMP was the VTT, though. <laughs> That's fair. I thought the VTT was the friends we made along the way. Um... Do we have any other news or are we uh, done? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, just that um, Monty Cook put a new Numenera book uh, called Break the Horizon. Oh, I thought, I think I heard someone mention it on my Twitter. Um, my Twitter. Uh, any information about that one? Uh, that sounds like a spacefaring one, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, it's just mobility options for transversing the vastness of the Ninth World and beyond, um, including travel-themed GM intrusions, creatures, NPCs, adventures, and more. Honestly, that will be really good. Um, my friend is using the Cypher system to do a science fantasy game. Eventually, once we... Life is hard when you're adults and everyone has different schedules. Um... But we were using a lot of Numenera books, but that'll be great. I'm going to have to pick that one up uh, because I like Cypher System. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of stuff you just kind of have to come up with yourself. Um, but I did not look up any news because I'm extremely prepared for all things at all moments. Uh, well, I mean, I don't have any other news. Do we want to talk about games we've been in? Which is a little bit of a sparse topic, but... You know, we no, can, because we, can we haven't did we did not do a podcast last week, so oh, that's true, that's true. So if anything, we actually have more games than normal. 
Do we? I think we have a roughly equal amount, actually, because uh, my games that my Monday game got canceled last, or my Monday game got canceled this week, and my Tuesday game also got canceled this week. So I actually still only have my Monday and Tuesday game from the previous week. The only game that we have that we wouldn't have had before was an additional Sunday game for me. Well, I feel like that's a lot of games. Uh, yeah, but... I, I'm in. I'm in m many games. Some would argue too many. Um, too many games will spoil the broth, but they're all I'm different. Not... So it's great. They're all different and beautiful in God's eyes. We've been <laughs> playing Warriors of Wayland. Mm-hmm. Wayard. Okay, I thought I, I knew I wouldn't get it. Warriors, Warriors of Wayland Yutani. Uh, we're yeah, Warriors of Wayland Yutani. We're playing an alien game. It's fantastic. We have to. We, we have one person on staff who's er, on on the team who's actually like administrative staff for Wayland Yutani, and they're secretly sabotaging us every step of the way to maintain the bottom line. So I gotta get that hot alien juice to sell to the United Arab Emirates. I <laughs> came out of nowhere. Uh, no, so we've been we've been playing. Well, this past Sunday we played Warriors of Wayard, which is my Golden Sun homebrew tabletop RPG, and it was it was a it was another instance of us recording for Fun Shot, and I, don't know, I had a certain degree of fun. I think I railroaded you a little bit, which is unfortunate. We've been um, boat. It's kind of hard not to. Ri we we started off on a boat. This isn't a complaint against you. It's pretty easy and unavoidable to railroad us at some point, unless like. We did try to start a coup and take the boat and just immediately be like, okay, so my group of level, uh, was it three characters decided to overthrow the boat for no reason, really? Mm -hmm. I wasn't party to that. We didn't, no, we didn't do that. You, I'm just you saying. You did not, yeah. I, I'm just saying, Miles, you didn't railroad us. We were on a boat. Yeah, you were on a boat and I was trying to give you examples of things you could spend your time doing that were interesting rather than just be like, all right, time skip. I think to some degree, free time is hard when you're doing a game where you haven't really played with your character very much. That's um, definitely fair. Because it's a little bit easier if we were to do something like with um, my character Azrael in your 5e game, or even my character Grizzle, who I've been thinking about nonstop way too much for my next game. Um, because it's like, no, I know I'm in the head of that character. And it's not that I'm not in the head at all of the character I'm playing in your, uh... Sorry, my dog's, like, doing little hops. Um, I'm oh, there's go. just There's just less there. There's just less there because you haven't been playing. You, you haven't been playing them as long and you don't intend on playing them for very much longer. So why, yeah, why, why bother, like, investing tons of time and energy into a character whose existence is very brief? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, Honestly, no, anything, I'm bad at that, but still. If anything, we could probably even be stand, uh, could be, it would maybe even be better to be railroaded a bit more. I'm not saying you should do this, but you, you said you felt like you were, you were railroading us, and then you're like, well, you had all this free time. I was trying to give you options of what you could be doing. Uh, I don't know why it sounds like I'm criticizing, because it was a fun game. I'm just saying, I guess for... Uh, like a, a fun shot, uh, you know, two to three sessions game. Mm. Either way, it's fun. I'm excited to keep going where it's going. Um, yeah, it it should be interesting. I'm 
I'm getting a I'm getting a handle for where it's going because there were there were like branches it could take and I've been trying to like trim off those branches as you've you know impacted the world so that I can like more adequate more accurately prepare for next session but I don't know we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes you'll probably end up surprising me like you already did by not taking any secret loot I wasn't trying Which to blow my cover Oh, absolutely. It makes total sense. I was just like, oh, okay. All right. And you know, I think to some degree, this is a me thing. I'm like so weirdly concerned about stepping on Golden Sun's lore that I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I'm going to ruin the lore of this game. And I'm like, that's not how I should be feeling about this. But that's how I feel about it. Because I'm Jay. weird. And Miles is our I've GM already moved you to stop making Jay feel like this. Oh, thank you. Jay. I, I have already stepped on the lore of this series in order to make it a more interesting tabletop game. I've invented I've invented the like races of this world as something much more, you know, impactful. The tree people basically were just trees with faces. They never became humanoid in the games. But I wanted to wanted to have a Venus aligned playable race. I was like, alright. Tree people are becoming people now. They're they're becoming humanoid if they want. I have already stepped upon the lore. It's okay. Follow no, follow know. follow my footpath through the woods. Yes, and listeners, uh, listen. To, wait for wait. Ah, darn it. Uh, listen to that episode wherever it comes out. If you want to hear a conversation about tree titties. <laughs> yep. Yeah, are, sure. they, are they made of I, bark? Or are they full of sap? <laughs> I, I don't I regret did. anything for starting this conversation up for that one. I I did answer that question. And you know what, Jay? Now you can't cut that out like you joked about doing when uh -huh. you were recording. Now you can't. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm just going to put this statement out here. I'm not a fan of non-mammalian creatures having tits for no reason on, and character designs. But I will certainly laugh at them if they do, especially if they are like a plant creature. Um... As I answered in the episode, which listeners, you'll hear in like a month or two when we start actually putting out the Golden Sun episodes because we're trying to do all of Unbound first. Um, but they don't they don't necessarily have boobs for no reason. It's just because they want to. No, that's they actually a fair. No, no, that works yeah. for characters lore. They want them, sure. Um, every single every single tree person has has an intentionally like thoroughly personally sculpted wooden body they decide exactly what their humanoid body looks like i i have a question um possibly uh i feel like zoe has probably watched this but am i the only one in this uh podcast that has watched the last unicorn before no i've watched it no i've okay. watched it of course i i okay i i knew zoe would have Jay, did you watch The Last Unicorn? Yeah, a while ago. Okay, because I'm just thinking about when Schmendrick turns the tree into a woman type thing oh, for a second. Oh, damn, she's got huge oh. titties. I don't remember that bit. <laughs> That's crazy. And she's smothering him in oh, the... that, oh, that's Schmendrick. What a freak. Uh, I had forgotten about that part. I, really? Honestly, so, wait, I... Did you also forget about the harpy with three I did not forget about the harpy. Listen, oh, that movie had a lot of them in there. 
Um, and I watched this movie when I was like eight originally, if not younger. So, who knows how that uh, messed up my brain. To be fair, I also started watching Revolution Girl Utena when I was about eight because my sister was a bit older and got me into anime. So, who knows how that messed me up too. Look, The Last Unicorn is a weird movie, and you should you should know that going in, because one of the main characters' names is Schmendrick. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but other uh, games game that in. we have played in. Yeah, we, we played in Today, uh, played in Unbound. Yeah, you kind of... You, it was only combat, but you... This is kind of your first experience actually uh, GMing. Yeah, there's a lot of rules to remember all the time. <laughs> and, uh... Unbound is pretty cool, uh, as long as all of your players remember all of the powers and crap that they have. Not saying anyone wasn't, it's just I relied on that to make sure it all ran smoothly. And I fudged some stuff, a reasonable amount, and I used uh, GIMP to just move a bunch of pictures around as uh, our VTT. And uh, it all went pretty well. Also, yeah. I think in the, in the, I don't know if we talked about it in the other week beforehand, but our earlier episode, that's posted on Funshot now. I do a big lore dump. We flesh out the world and the characters in it. And listening back to it, I'm just like, oh, I got a lot of ideas for where this is going to go. But what's interesting is because it's fun shot, I have to try to make it only like one or two more sessions. So we're going to get through some of these plot points quick like. Hey, you know what? Even if we don't get to it, we, we accomplished the task of beating up an influencer who was collecting for Autism Speaks. And, you know, that's, and that's possibly that's, the that's best enough. thing that we've done so far in a game. Uh, it it no, may be the most morally good thing yeah. we've done in a game. I, I regret at, at the end of the combat, uh, spoilers for a thing that's not out yet, but I'm just going to talk about the one thing my character did. Uh, basically turned the internet against one person uh, just to kind of knock them out, more or less. And I regret mm -hmm. that. The thing that she did was basically like doxing. And it's not because I regret that she doxed, because... She's not a good person, uh, really. Uh, don't dox kids. Um, and don't dox children as well. But uh, I, I should have been, like, found, like, a video of him where, like, his posture was slightly off. So his body language was slightly stiff with his girlfriend. So the entire internet declared him to be a cheater for no reason. And he was just ostracized because the internet's a hellscape. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should watch Sarah Zed's newest video, which talks a lot about, oh, uh, the collective mob mentality we have on the internet. And that's sort of also where this, I'm sort of shaping out the ecosystem of this game to be, is that uh, it's a reflection of the internet hellscape uh, in the year that we're making it. At least as far as I understand. I haven't said the dreaded uh, three-letter word, but maybe that'll come up. Sex? I think we have actually talked about them on the podcast already. Uh, oh, like, yeah. specifically on Unbound. I think we did, yeah. It might have gotten cut, though. I'm not sure. It is sex. I knew it. Um, oh, also, if you're listening to this and you are confused and or angry about us being shitty to Autism Speaks, do some quick Googling about how horrible and eugenics-y they are. Oh, right. They I are forgot a bad organization. don't know. They are yeah. a truly horrific organization. Yeah. Uh, we. <laughs> yeah. Autism support your autism is a bad thing. Support your autistic yeah. friends and other autism uh, organizations. 
not. They want to like, they want to cure the genetic disease of autism. Yes, that is one of their stated goals. Uh, so, like, I, so, so yeah. So Zoe, I know in our Monday game last week, you did some uh, pretty baller moves. I don't know what you're talking about. We just all dealt with a very uh, normal uh, council meeting and got a bunch of support. Yeah, yeah. The party went to a city council meeting, with the exception Uh of Zoe's character, who went to go make a deal with a dragon and fix up a spaceship. Um, Uh, Listeners, if you haven't put two and two together, um, I'm that person where they talk about the Frostman game where they go, "Uh, you know this crazy stupid thing our uh, artificer did? Yeah, I'm, I'm that player. Yeah. Um called making bold this, moves. This 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 not plot, afraid to do it. This plot involved polymorphing into a young green dragon because it was the highest CR you could yep. and cutting out one of your own eyes and surgically implanting it into this blind ancient white dragon that was guarding the destroyed alien ship. And and it worked. Uh despite some pretty big hiccups um I got super lucky, and this was like plan C. I had two plans before this that I was hoping I could pull off, but I know I couldn't in the time frame. With high DCs and a plus zero to medicine, you managed to pull it off with minimal damage, with the exception of now currently not having an eye. Although that might also be fixed by the time we pick up next time, depending on what you do during downtime, because um, there is that spell regenerate. We know anyone who has it? You, you do, in fact. You know that, you know that priestess who fucking crit succeeded on separating you from the evil Yeah, I can't, construct? oh, in character, I can't go back to her. <laughs> yeah, sure. Do you need, do you need Mommy Azrael to go back and hold your hand and ask for a new eye? It's so... No. <laughs> hey, I need a new eye for my friend. She sacrificed it so we could have a spaceship. <laughs> What? What's I got the party spaceship? fast travel. What's a spaceship? What is that? We're gonna go um, visit my children and my grandson, who have talked a lot I'm about. We're gonna go visit my grandson in the spaceship. My friend traded for her eyeball. <laughs> they live on another planet. <laughs> oh god! But yeah, um, we're we're ramping towards the end there. Uh, oh, I should have, I should have chosen the Pathfinder gods and goddesses to be like the pantheon that like that character believes in, just to be like, oh yeah, these are really similar, but you know, slightly different. Oh, that's uh, weird. You you spell you spell this deity's name this way, huh? It's like you you just replaced like an E with a U. That's weird. All right. I'm not no, citing a just... specific deity, but I'm sure that that is a thing. All we know is that France or French exists on my character's planet. That is true. That is true. Um, the only other game that I've played in that we haven't mentioned is my Final Fantasy VII game, which mm-hmm. uh, last time we left, Cloud was mind-controlled and he gave the Black Materia to Sephiroth and then almost killed all of us. Um, he is still kind of unconscious, kind of not. He's essentially catatonic. Um, and we... We managed to escape the island where the Temple of the Ancients is by Yuffie summoning Leviathan and then riding him. We rode Leviathan off of the island. It was great. Um, 
But instead of taking us to the North Crater, where he was supposed to take us, he took us back to Wutai. <laughs> so we just showed up in Wutai. Oh, wait, on the Leviathan back of Leviathan. Leviathan was in seven. Yeah, so you they get Leviathan. No, this is just me being somatic that Leviathan and that one uses male pronouns. Because I know it's like split 50-50 that sometimes they make them a girl and sometimes they make them a boy. I am genuinely unsure, but um, I know that we summoned Leviathan. Uh, and, and Leviathan is in 7 because you mm -hmm. you get it summon materia at the top of the like the temple in Wutai. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but... Um, yeah, you get it there, except we got it this time, because Shinra took it away from Godoki Saragi and then gave it to Yuffie uh, later, whenever we worked for President Reeve, who we no longer work for. He's very mad at us now, which, that's fine. He's a dick. But, uh, yeah, we showed up in Wutai riding on the back of their deity, and we're now trying to pass completely unnoticed if we can because you have an awkward conversation with her dad. Uh, but <laughs> um, Don Corneo is there, as is Andrea Rodea, the operator of the Honeybee Inn, who one of our one of our characters who is uh, Wushin and is an OC, but uh, one of our one of our characters had a like minor flirtatious thing with him whenever we stayed at the Honeybee Inn temporarily in the, like, month and a half we spent in Walmart. <laughs> but that's that's gonna be fun when we pick that back up. Andrea's here. It's our first time ever meeting Don Corneo because we just skipped that part of Walmart. Great. Um, and I'm sure we won't just kick his ass. But, uh, but yeah, we're, we showed up in Wutai riding on the back of their deity, and that's, that's, <laughs> that is par for the course, honestly. What's up, losers? I'm your god now. We rode him across the world to Wutai. I mean, do you think that this would help at all with dealing with Yuffie's father? Um, well, given she just had a, like, test of her, uh, like, mental whatever, like, a test of her resolve, which was characterized as an argument with her father, whether it be an actual, like, her actual father or just a ghost from the Temple of the Ancients. She's not sure and probably doesn't even care. Um, but she's not looking to make that conversation happen twice and is also, like, not interested in getting his approval whatsoever. Like, she's done trying to earn his respect fully straight up she's done trying to earn his respect because she knows she'll never get it so at mo <laughs> honestly mm, it might make it uh, more awkward because it's just like yeah I have Leviathan now fuck off I'm the leader of Wutai now who can't go to the prom now dad dressed like that dad <laughs> I've got God <laughs> I do have the power of God and anime on my side but yeah there's the color of anime in that game Sephiroth. Well, yeah, I guess, but that makes sense. Um, I wish there was a better answer than that, though. But, but yeah, it's Sephiroth. Uh, but yeah, I so, um, that's preview. That's that's other games. Have we played in anything else? I don't think so. 
Um, no, I haven't even uh, planned anything with my friends because uh, they don't like me. No, they like me. It's just kind of been yeah. a real busy few weeks. There's just not enough time in the life. Um, I was going to say day, but you know. And our dog is being a little brat. He wants to be Ooh, up on this love seat with us so bad, but there's barely enough room. And he's just getting angry that he can't fit on here. And we let him up, and he squeezed Che over to the side of the couch. And this is only interesting to me, but I like dogs, so... And it's our podcast. We can say whatever we want about dogs. They're very adorable. Um... But we could read uh, the story. Uh, I, from the ones, Zoe actually found some po uh, some ones this week. And I feel like player versus the DM's world might be appropriate for the topic we never introduced. Because we never said what our topic for this week is. Yeah, we're talking about uh, involving players in the world building. And different interesting ways of doing that. Yeah, uh, I might splice something into the beginning of this episode but i probably won't do it in any organic way probably be like me being like hello the topic for the week is incorporating players into nobody your world building. nobody cares nobody listening was just on the edge of their seat being like but i don't know what the topic is yet i would be and they've been recording for 45 minutes where's the topic jay if you were if you wanted us to say the topic at the beginning of the episode you wouldn't still be listening <laughs> yeah we're not organized here but thank but, yeah, you let's, Zoe let's for finding on the uh, stories oh yeah I had insomnia last night so might I as well use it for something useful would you like to read one I, I was going to suggest we do the one player versus the DM's world would you like to read it or would you like to have one of us read it um this is a bit of a long one. Yeah. I tried to stay within the topic and everything, and it's, this one was one of the more longer ones. Do we want to do, do it in front of Jake? Oh. Do it. I shall read the story. Oh, wait, no, Jay, do you want me to? Do you, sorry, should I be doing this? I'm, I'm kind of in a bit. One sec. Okay, just talk candidly because I'm going to cut this bit for actual reels. Um, Jay, did you want to read the story? I feel like I should if I don't do that much longer. Okay. Okay. Posted on r slash RPG Horror Stories by user General Lark, players versus the DM's world. Uh, some honest questions for you folks. When does rich world building become a borderline horror story? Is there such a thing as too much? I joined a D&D campaign a few years ago after a friend of mine told me about her coworker who was looking for players. My friend wanted to play, but didn't have the time, and since I was in between games, I figured I'd give it a shot. My friend told me we'd play a group of mercenaries, navigating our way through a filthy rich, a rich high fantasy world, after the fall of the ruling powers. My friend got me into contact with the DM, and the DM was incredibly polite and enthusiastic. She came across as the type of person you could give an agonizingly boring task to, and she'd complete it in record time with a smile on her face. She sent me some blurbs about her world with important locations and groups in it, and I started to think about my character. We met for Session Zero at the DM's house, a group of strangers. Needless to say, it would have been painfully awkward had the fighter not been there to break the ice. She was the only extrovert in the group, but not in an in-your-face kind of way. Like a bard, she single-handedly entertained us with stories and small talk until we were comfortable opening up a bit. We slowly got to the topic of characters, and much to our collective relief, 
none of us had come with any outlandish concepts. No broken homebrew material, no anime chosen one backstories. We had the nomadic barbarian who wanted to protect the last of his people. A noble sorcerer rebelling against her parents by joining mercenaries. A beautiful cleric wanting to earn enough money to keep her local orphanage afloat. Our passionate fighter who fought to earn her place in the history books. And myself, an oddly charismatic wizard motivated by a desire to avenge a friend. By the time the DM had prepared, we all seemed slightly more comfortable. Because while we were strangers, we all had a similar idea of how we wanted to play explore character relationships, investigate the world, and interact meaningfully. We did a more formal introduction of our characters and started talking about how we'd fit into the universe. At this point, we'd already decided where we were from, but this session was supposedly to be about creating our group's history. We were companions who'd known each other for years instead of strangers from a tavern, but instead the DM wanted to take time with each of us to discuss our characters in depth and make corrections. Some of our concepts didn't mesh with her universe, and while she wanted us to have creative freedom, she also didn't want to compromise the integrity of her universe. Negotiation began. Nomads didn't exist because travel was restricted, so Barbarian had to be from one of the major cities. His clan turned into more of a nuclear family. Nobles always remained nobles without exception. It was simply too taboo for them to rebel. So Sorcerer opted for a well-known wealthy family. The DM made it known that she would be looked down upon by the real nobles and have not real power. A uh, fighter couldn't realistically fight without drawing unwanted attention from groups and authority, so she had to be sneaky and edgy instead of forward and boisterous like a traditional folk hero. Myself and the cleric were asked to find new motivation, because at this point in time we would have already accomplished our goals. We were starting at level 7, which meant our earlier adventures had covered her orphanage arc and my revenge arc. <laughs> How is that covered? That's like those so, those arcs are like not got level seven material. They got. I think they got skipped. This is the uh, anime adaption of a manga, and they did not cover that arc in the anime. The rest of the night, we built our group. The DM gave us speech after speech about how each about each area of the world. It was clear she'd spent years on this universe, crafting the culture and layout of each city. She painted some of the most interesting imagery I've ever heard. Everything was vivid, interesting, and unique. Honestly, I would have read a novel about it. Everyone asked questions, and after several hours, we had our premise and a general idea of what we were getting ourselves into. During the next session, our first real game, Barbarian didn't bother coming. He didn't leave a message for any of us, the DM couldn't contact him, so we went on without him. I won't go into detail about the sessions themselves, for the most part, they were okay. Our player group didn't mesh uh, well even with fighters' attempt to build rapport, but we didn't fight. Everyone was, was respectful and participated. However, the one in-game event that really stuck out to me was an attempt at a social encounter. We were gathering intel from an exclusive tavern we weren't exactly invited to. Myself and the sorcerer were attempting to talk our way in, but we rolled poorly. Things weren't going well, so our group bowed out and talked through a few different methods we could use for Plan B. Bribing our way in, sneaking in, disguising ourselves, trying to find someone with an invitation to make us his plus one, etc. While we talked through our next plan, the DM chimed in that our characters would know that, based on the culture of the city we were in, any further attempts to get in would result in death or imprisonment. That's some, some exclusive club. We had missed our one opportunity. A few more similar events told us that we'd really only be given one opportunity to make something work, so our future plans had to be flawless, because second chances were something the gods didn't often provide. 
After that session, Sorcerer and Cleric did not come back. The story actually doesn't end there. After over half our group disappeared, our DM revived the campaign two more times. Fighter and I stuck around because we wanted the campaign to work, even created new characters. But eventually we gave up as well when even an enthusiastic outgoing party fell through, leaving a very frustrated DM behind. I felt bad for her, and I sent her a message telling her that I really respected her work, but I had never stopped feeling like a stranger in her world despite supposedly being a long-term resident. She never responded. At the time, I considered myself a bad player. I wasn't creative enough or smart enough to be a part of a real high fantasy campaign, instead of my typical goofy chill games with my friends. I later concluded that my DM's brand of D&D simply wasn't my preferred style, and I was fine with that, but three failed campaign attempts got me wondering about whether or not this was a horror story in the making. Was there something I could have done? I didn't feel comfortable asking the DM to change something she'd worked so hard on, but at the end of the day, all the players felt secondary to the world. And that was Players vs. the DM's World by user General Lark. So, definitely write a book, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, th this this GM said, no sad backstories, only trad backstories. <laughs> um, yeah, oh. how high fantasy... Ever, okay, you know what? Never mind. I was about to say how high fantasy. There's no, there's like no living outside these, you know, mega cities. But like, I mean, there are multiple planes of Magic: The Gathering that are just like one big mega city, and then like nothing else. And I would still call things like Ravnica pretty interesting high fantasy. Did, did uh, I miss that there was not a session zero? It seemed like there was a session zero because they all sort of met up and talked a bit about their backstory and the world and stuff. It didn't seem <laughs> like... It, and then after that, the the barbarian didn't show up again. Because of course the barbarian didn't show up again. You forced a barbarian to just be like some angry person from the city. You just forced the... <laughs> okay, that said though, I would actually now love to play as a D&D &D version of Joe Pesci. That sounds like a lot of fun actually. So, okay, definitely the the uh, D GM here should have written a book. That's, you know, the joke saying because for a reason. Um, yeah. Should have written a book. Um, it, even, even outside of playing in the game, it seems like being a person living in this world is nightmarishly restrictive. Yeah. Yeah, it, it reminds me a bit of what I don't particularly like about Vampire the Masquerade, in that there are so many rules you are expected to know and like you're expected to know the world inside and out so much from the get-go and it's so heavily focused on these like social dynamics and require you to know the ins and outs of it that it this feels past system yeah there it feels unnecessarily I... punishing and punishing there are reasons why i only did one a day of LARP with Vampire because I was like, oh gosh, this this thing is giving me some real anxiety, guys. If I wanted to do LARP, uh, I'd probably just do some fantasy shit just so I could swing a stick around and pretend it's a sword. On the first yeah, day of LARP, this old head who was playing like a high elder, mega powerful vampire for me, I don't know, I had like said something, I tried to make a quip in character, and then he swiveled to me like he was about to actually kill me and had to like go out of character to be like, yo, what's happening? And he's like, you said like something that was really fucked, like that was really over the line. And I was like, I don't, shit, I don't know, dude. 
Yeah, I don't yeah. think I've told at least Miles this or any of you that Vampire the Masquerade, though, was how I got into tabletop games, though. Uh, I never played one, though. It was just always, for some reason, the the books I would read before I was like, oh, there's other games. Okay. I, I totally I mean, get that. On. There are definitely interesting things about it, and I think the world can be really cool. I just... I, I don't know that I can be bothered to play more. Our roommate is currently playing in a weekly Vampire the Masquerade game that is going on. I look at a watch if I had it on right now in a different room in this house. Uh, it, I like listening to the lore of the world. I don't like engaging with it in my experience because it really wants you to engage with it in a specific way. And, you know, similar to what I was saying about with my anxieties about just Golden Sun, imagine how I feel in a vampire game where that stuff actually is going to be treated as it mattering, you know? Yeah. It's it's a little bit of my problem with Monster Hearts as well, is just like, I feel like our group is too non-confrontational to make vampire work. You know, we, we need to do an episode at some point of how to make your players actually fight humanoid creatures or how to make your players actually fight. I don't want to say it because that's not even good GMing, but it's like strategies when your players just try to talk and seduce their way out of every situation with sentient creatures. Don't worry, we're probably going to test my boundaries of getting you into fights in chapter three. <laughs> Again, it's just, it, it is completely, our group is, we're not even really that seduced, like, we don't actually seduce as much as we joke about, like, it happens. But we as but people just are so just dang personable. that choosing violence is, like, weird. We're just too dang personable. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh no, I created a character who's probably even le less confrontational than my previous one. No, I can't Next imagine character. anyone trying to hit your 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 good little dog boy. Oh yeah, well no, everyone else can fight for him, but that being said, because of Pathfinder, he is a plus seven level one to intimidation, so <laughs> he can be intimidating if he tried. I mean, there are people that are afraid of dogs of any size, um, and then blah 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 blah, yippee dogs, blah blah blah, Chihuahua scary, blah blah blah. Yeah, because they're dicks. Um, anyway. Yes. No, thank you. Uh, so that actually story is perfect for... Yeah, it's... Yeah, it is. Um, that meeting that they had to do corrections to the backstory, in, in theory, if it is framed as providing more context for their backstory and not making corrections to it, that's fine. That's great. You should do that. If you've got this established world with all of these like locations and rules and all of that, and you've got your players making characters, talk to them a bit and be mm -hmm. like, hey, here are some things that I think might work in, in universe for what you are trying to do. Or, hey, this is a thing that you're you're making part of your backstory that could be out of place in this world. Like if you are unwilling to change mm -hmm. it saying that could be out of place in this world. Are you willing to take the, you know, social consequences of that in game? As I, I feel like, I feel like this is a sin I can commit, but I try to be like ready to adjust. Um, I, especially, but 
you should never go to your session zero with your character made. Ideally, you should have, especially with new group, you should have big a few ideas of what type of character you should play in case you like throw out an idea and the GM just is like, no, that's not going to work. It sounds like everyone had had their characters fully built and then the GM is like, no. Uh, to be fair, it sounds like later they made new characters that they thought would fit the world and it still didn't work, so maybe... Yeah. But, um... It's... I mean, it just sounds... It sounds like it is just a world characterized by extreme bureaucracy. And, mm -hmm. like, it, it does not sound fun to play in. So I'm not surprised at how many people just dropped out of the game. Also, realistically... If you're GMing a game and your player base drops from six to, f to two in the span of two sessions. Yeah, it's like, time to reevaluate. I mean, yeah, I especially when they don't even communicate to tell you they're not coming back. Like, yeah, yeah maybe it's a you problem. Now, I'm curious, did we get any? I don't think we got any information about how long this GM had been GMing this could have been a person who's been working on that world, and this was one of the first times actually GMing it. Um, uh, because I've made... So this is kind of a good way to transition into the topic, because I've made similar mistakes uh, to a lesser extent that this GM did, uh, because there are levels of it. Um, I've talked on this podcast before about how I made a city-building campaign, and my one player and friend made a character who was antithetical to it and would challenge every single little thing that would happen under the premise of, oh, I hate civilization. I think everyone who's trying to build this city is the worst and you're all I'm insulting every single NPC. Um, so you can just have a character like GM should work with their players. Which is having a pure obstructionist. Um, yeah, that's when you tell someone they're being a dick. That's when uh, you drop that game because you're so non-confrontational that you... There there were some other issues. I, I It was when I was quickly realizing also that my friends were... I'm a person who can enjoy learning some systems of things. Uh, you know, I might not... I've never played, like, Shadowrun uh, or anything, but if I had to learn the crunchy rules of it, I would be... I would do it, and there would probably be aspects of it I like. I'm learning Pathfinder 2, and uh, there's some things that are crunchier than I normally like, but I like learning systems. I like making things. It's I, I really liked how you were incorporating some Monster Hunter aspects into our Chapter 1 game, Miles, even though I never played Monster Hunter at that point, just because it was fun to see the systems that you were building into this. And I was trying to do the same things for my friends a few years ago with like a city-building thing when I realized... They just don't care and don't want that. They just want to have fun, roll some dice, and pretty much do improv with each other, which is a valid way of playing if that's what you want to do, pretty much. Um, mm -hmm. Which is why we're doing Sniper System now. Um, but to uh, get us back, I, I kind of got on a too long of a tangent there, sorry. Um, but yeah, actually working with your players to build the world, it can be a really rewarding um, experience. Uh, Zoe, you've been building a world right now um some feywilds i believe uh, yeah house? i've technically been building two worlds but uh oh okay <laughs> that, well, one, that no. other one will probably never see the live day uh 
So, Zoe, you've been working on this uh, Feywilds game, and I, I hope, like, have we been helping you out enough, and like, or have we been stepping on your toes at all? Like, I know I accidentally introduced just kind of what started off as a bit, but I, I kind of introduced some weird elements to my character right off the bat. Yeah, um, well, with the thing with you, Jay, is that I then had to step back and look at it, and that actually made me add... Um, more things to the world that I didn't think would even come into play. Uh, actually, for uh, it's weird, and I don't think any of it will really come back up, except as tiny references, is that uh, because of all the stuff that you were doing, um, I, I kind of now have just connected the Strahd game that I ran with Miles a couple years ago into this. Um, just because of where that landed, there were certain NPCs that could, quote-unquote, go off and do other things in the world. Um, also, I'm just not good with names, and so if I do have a character who's similar already to a concept I technically already used, I'll probably just bring them back. Um, I know you already talked about reusing characters and everything, um, but yeah, that's, that's one of the big reasons I do it, is I'm just bad with naming things. <laughs> No, that makes sense. Um, valid. Um, so, yeah. Um, and if you're playing with a group of people that you've played with before, that could actually be a good way of building, like, a rapport with this character really quickly. You know, just kind of shorthand. Like, if you meet a Sid in a Final Fantasy game, there's a 9 in 10 chance that they are going to be good with airships. Um, Unless you lock them up somewhere. <laughs> Um, did Sid ever get not to backtrack but Miles did Sid ever get out of the locked room in your game uh, so he wasn't in a locked room oh I thought he, you locked him up I'm sorry no we we just left him in Rocket Town waiting for a meeting with Reeve that was never going to happen oh, he eventually right. showed up on the tiny Bronco like he followed the high wind in the tiny Bronco and met up with Reeve and he is presumably on the high wind now. He left the tiny Bronco on the beach on the island, but it didn't have any fuel, so we didn't, you know, fly it off the island. So the tiny Bronco is just rusting next to the crater that was once the Temple of the Ancients. But, uh, yeah, reusing, reusing characters is, like, a completely reasonable thing to do. I don't get why people get so up in arms about it, like... Oh yeah, you're allowed to have similar characters, or the same characters sometimes. Sometimes you just want to, you know, really dive down on a particular character. That's okay. I sometimes I don't tend only, to do it. Sometimes like, you'll play a bunch of campaigns where you never get past level 8. And you want to see where that guy that. goes. <laughs> Maybe you're switching to a different system and you can get like a total reimagination of that character. You've made, you've made it past level 8 before? Yeah. Um, you've made it to level 8? <laughs> You, you guys are leveling up. <laughs> you guys are playing? Uh, okay. So, how do you like to just, I, I guess just to like, start even maybe more vague, but like, how do you like to have your players help you build your worlds, Zoe? Um, well, how mm, this? It usually happens uh, after gameplay. Like, once you start playing, like, not before um like i can throw out stuff and people can like offer like things that make sense and 
or things I should change and stuff along those lines, which is good and everything. Um, but I feel like you won't get a really good feel about how your players are going to interact and change the world until they get into your sandbox. Because mm -hmm. that's basically what you're doing as a GM. Yes, you're building this world around, but people are going to play in it and they're going to change and destroy things. And that's okay. And I understand that's a hard thing to come to terms with. I still have trouble with it. Um, but yeah, for people who are still nervous about jamming and stuff and worried about the world getting broken. No, that's that's okay. Your it, worlds will get broken, but they'll get rebuilt in new and interesting ways. Honestly, that yeah, is... That's, that's part of the game. We as players get off on destroying the world. <laughs> and boy, do they. Unless apparently... Get, get off on it. I know. Unless you're apparently me, who's afraid of destroying your world. Well, but only if it's a system you made. This is a, a ses setting. I'll destroy your setting, though. Um, No, I... No, that makes sense. And this is actually a very important lesson to learn. And I think it's one of the first lessons that all GMs have to learn uh which is good actually because jay's learning that very quickly because he's playing unbound which basically lessens the barrier between player and um gm a lot um so and so honestly the way that their like cooperative world building and like character connection building goes is like great inspiration for any dm trying to like build a world um especially because they'll just let you like generate the concept of a world with like four key phrases yeah it's excellent and yeah it's a really cool creative experience and i i want to use it for more things like honestly one of the things i like about it is the um fate uh aspect of it which is so easy to incorporate in anything else especially if there's not necessarily a bonus to it but it's you basically just say hey this is a scene i would like to have for my character maybe it's something that will test them maybe it's just something that you the player is saying i'd like to my character to be able to interact with the world in this way and i really like that because a lot of times as players we get these really cool scenes in our head and we can try to set them up but if the gm isn't aware of that and you don't want to tell them because you know telling people's is telling people's Telling people anything can be hard because even if it's like innocuous, you're like, well, I don't want to bother them. Uh, again, I just really like that. And I really recommend people who are too rigid with their gameplay uh, structures still to do like a one shot or something in Unbound just to like see how fun it can be. Like our setting we've created is I, I love our characters so much in this Unbound game and I think that's in large part just because of how interconnected all of that was while we made everyone and this world. Yeah, and because everyone's writing their writing each other's characters, you can like form starting dynamics between the characters. It's kind of tend to like get focused on playing your own character as opposed to interacting with the whole rest of the team. Oops, this episode's now our unbound review. Yeah, no, there um, it is. No, it's uh, just it it's not for every group, but if you do find yourself being particularly rigid on on plot things, and you do want to address that and adjust that, doing a one-shot is great. Do a one-shot of a GM-less game. Just Ooh. to, and like, do a one-shot of a GM-less game and make a conscious effort to 
not lead the conversation because that will show you just how many ideas your players have consistently and like actually get you to appreciate a lot of that and realize like oh okay i can lean on them for stuff and it'll be really cool be a little extra like floaty with the way i'm carrying the conversation today but you know th this is making me think of something i think a reason why uh, we as gms can get a little extra rigid um partially i think it i think a lot of the times we get rigid it, the good faith reasons for it are less that this is our world we want it to stay as it is is because we believe that we have to curate this carefully constructed experience that in our heads is going to be perfect for the players or we want it to be perfect so we're afraid of deviating because even the little smallest deviation might cause lack like a lack a cascading effect that will like destroy what we've been building for everyone mm -hmm. that was a weird noise yeah and i There's think that's just oh go ahead no go ahead zoe go uh, yeah, but I think that's also something that you have to learn whenever those deviations happen that you just, which is just with everything in life, it resolves around practice. Uh, the more you do it, the more relaxed you'll get. Um, just speaking from experience in the Curse of Strahd game, I gave them the option of cutting through wildlands and marshes. And they were like, yeah, we'll do that instead of taking the main roads through, you know, there's the level one, two, three area, and then, oh, then you'll go into the five area. And I'm like, oh, okay, they're just taking back roads. I have to come up with stuff because they're going to hit the level eight evil swamp and they're level three. I mean, you okay. could just have been an asshole and just make them go to the level eight swamp and just TPK them. No, I, no, I don't think that's any of our GMing style. And some could argue that that is uh, keeping in... Uh, I mean, Jay's playing Elden Ring right now, and that's what Elden Ring would do. <laughs> but... Yeah, but then you respawn in Elden Ring. If you have a TPK, you'd be like, and th then you do what you play that out, and then you say, and that's what would have happened if you made that decision. What is respawning if not... What is creating a new character if not respawning? I don't yeah. agree with anything I'm saying now. No. Um... Um, um, I mean, that's the thing, though, Zoe, with with that campaign specifically, we were always like three steps of uh, three steps ahead of where we needed to be anyway, just because I'm gonna say we would come up with ridiculous ideas and then just end up with them actually working because of dumb luck. And I'm gonna say we, even though I know that I'm the biggest culprit of that. <laughs> yeah, gee, I wonder where I learned it. I, I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm very excited to do a long game with Miles as a player. I, like he he is an amazing GM. But we'll see what sort of nightmare he is behind the sheet. <laughs> Well, we've already discussed my ramshackle dick on this uh, on this podcast, but uh, oh, that's a good callback. I I am a player who likes coming up with fun, cl clever plans. Uh, that's not this new character, though. He's dramatic as hell, and that and that's all he is. Um, but. 
No, yeah, yeah I wrote it, some new stuff where Mouse is like, yeah, I'm playing a dramatic as fuck character. I'm like, okay, opening up the word pad. I mean, Zoe, I learned I learned how to be a better GM watching you because I I learned more about like incorporating player bullshit into the actual world and like making it feel more lived in as a result of things the players have done. Yeah, and that's why it's good to of... communicate with your players. Like once again, we just go back to communication. But uh, honestly, I sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Miles. I cut you off. No, yeah, it, yeah, we, we are just like teachers, GMing is a culture of thievery. You see something interesting that someone else does, and you take it, and you spin it, and you do it yourself. Uh, honestly, I think people that's are doing why cool I, things all the time. I know, I, I think, honestly, that's why I've been liking, uh, trying what I've been GMing recently as much as possible to be using the uh, Sly Fox Lazy GM thing, because a lot of that is you are writing secrets that the players will find out, and, like, you're detailing very specific, or not very, but very broad things, so that when the players encounter things, you can keep it that, you, like, the secrets are things that are supposed to lead the, um, uh, like, advance the world and able to help lead players to various, like, clues and whatnot, but you're not supposed to tie them to anything in particular because the players are never... You, you don't know what the players are going to do. And I think having such a loose way of GMing with that has been... I've been trying to use that so I can incorporate players into the world building as much as possible. If I don't get to a secret, that's fine. The secret's fake or doesn't exist. But if I so rigidly plan things out, it's like, no, the only way they're going to figure out the way to get to the Emerald Castle is if they talk to the copper at 2 p.m. on Thursday after he's had afternoon tea with his secret boyfriend. But they decide that instead they're going to just kill him. Well, then they're never finding out that information and then if I don't know what to do with the game. Oh, Jay, um, did I share my word docs with you by mistake? I'm sorry. <laughs> that that can be a really that can be an effective way of doing like a mystery game. Um, mm -hmm. I I I've said I've said before in other conversations, but not on the podcast, that the style of doing like shifts and like time beats uh, in the Adventure Zone Dust was a really interesting idea, and I've taken inspiration from it in a couple of you know heist or uh, or investigation games. But that said, like, yeah, having everything planned out down to the tiniest detail makes you really, it makes it really hard to adjust the world when your players do something really cool. Um, and Secrets actually ties into something I was thinking about, because for our Frost Maiden game, we had Secrets. Okay. And for the most part, they were ones presented in the module. But like adjusted and reworked a little bit to make them more interesting. I weeded out the dumb ones like, oh, you're just a Drizzt super fan. Like, no, fuck off. Um, Why is that even a secret? I don't know. I guess so that everyone can have a secret, but you don't necessarily have to do anything about it. One of them, one of them involves your dad's ring getting, like his ring finger getting bitten off by a knucklehead trout years ago. And like each time you go fishing, you have a chance of catching the fish that ate your dad's ring. It's, 
like I said, I took some dumb secrets out, but uh, <laughs> those secrets tie into the world and chatting with you all before the beginning of the game helped me sort of add them to the world even more and reshape things because that was when I was thinking about the different towns and like in some cases completely removing large sections of established material about the towns and rewriting them to make them more interesting um, because you know sometimes sometimes stuff is a module and modules are living documents um, but uh, I mean, realistically, in large part, I just made the entire world gayer. That was the biggest thing I did, but... Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's a, it's, a, it's a weird thing to do, and just, like, meeting up with y'all before the session... Before the session zero, even, and saying, Okay, so this is the secret uh, that you rolled for. Do you, do you like the secret? Can this work with your character? If not, if not okay, let's do another one. Um, but, like, working with that was fun, and I, I enjoyed, you know, having those secrets. It backfired on us, because we got way more invested in our secrets than in the plot of the game, as written. That said, we've sorted out so many interpersonal issues that now it actually feels like we're reaching a conclusion to the story, uh, despite doing so little of the actual module. Telling know if I'd agree with that being a negative. We we found a way yeah. to make like it's not like you weren't GMing that. It wasn't a failure on your part to make the Frost Maiden be more enticing to anything. Maybe you could have done something else, but we were having a lot of fun with our interpersonal drama in this campaign, and now we are at this seemingly natural conclusion. Um I think it was a great choice, and I'm not really... I don't know why I, I phrased that weird. In uh, our Zoe's game, we don't have secrets per se. We have something that was stolen from us by the Fae. And I don't know, I'm not telling anyone except for Jay just because I've bounced all of my ideas off of him. Um, like, what my was stolen from my character? Uh, if anyone finds out, that's fine. I don't actually care. But it, it kind of feels, again, similar to the secrets if but if anything might even be more connected to the main plot um, um yeah i, I oh, go ahead Mouse. i'm excited for those secrets because zoe you gave us you gave us like potential options for those secrets um presumably from like a list that was in the module you're adapting for the first like little bit yes, of the game. yes uh, i will say that for the first one there's there's okay i have what i've been calling a uh a test run mini adventure that helps me understand everyone's characters which is something that i started to do whenever i ran the curse of stride one that's what the whole hot at hospital was so i would get a feel for everyone's characters for the most part and you know and how they were going to interact and everything um then that's we're gonna really get a good idea yeah um and then yeah uh because even though wizards of the coast and dnt is garbage kind of i have so many feelings about them um i was really interested in their um uh which like carnival book mm -hmm. um unfortunately the carnival book is a which like carnival is only one chapter of that book uh <laughs> i thought it was longer <laughs> but no but i'm adapting that and that's possibly how i say possibly be how you're gonna get to the fey wilds uh 
But once again, I have contingency plans if you say, fuck it, we're gonna go do this other thing. Fuck it, my character's going on that boat I joked about and just gonna fall asleep and wake up in the Feywilds. But um, yeah. I, I just think it's very funny because you gave us these options and we pretty much immediately said, no, none of those. Those are a little bit too mundane. Here yeah. are these options. It's true. Yeah. I gave you one mundane option from my list. Yeah, and I was like, no, let's not do it. Um, <laughs> I know. And like, yeah, like the list is like really mundane, but kind of like lighthearted and fun. Like the two that like really stand out for me is you lose your sense of fashion and you lost three inches. But of yeah. height or of... Of height. It just says of height. That's so weird. You lose three cubic inches. But it's well, like I... not equally spaced around your entire body. One of your arms just like has a pit in it now. Um, Listen, but... I don't have a lot of money. I can't afford new clothes. I have to get those three inches back. Um, and I think they're just, they're just lighthearted ways in more of like the more lighthearted fairy type of way of like how they're pranksters and everything and then y'all were like no we want to do the dark fairy tale shit and i'm like okay cool <laughs> Ooh, ooh! did anyone have the fairy stole my marriage the um stole my wife you don't have to answer that i don't know uh i only know three of what was stolen is it, is it the other three people on this call no, because I know... I don't know Jace. Oh, I, I know, know Jace. Uh, but Jay will never tell you. Because okay. he's playing ring. I'm very yeah. excited for my character's secret. Not the thing that was stolen, but a secret I have only told Zoe. That is incredibly mundane. But it's gonna be so much fun. <laughs> Wait, is it the trinket? Was it the trinket thing? Uh, I didn't actually pick a trinket. I thought you um, did. It was the catnip. Oops. Oh, that's right. No. I 100% forgot about that. Oh, did you want it to be that. something else? You can tell me not on recording. Oh, oh, no, it's totally fine. Um, it was, um, a piece of my inventory. Oh, like that thing. Inventory slot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. that thing. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, and like that actually gets us back on topic. I asked everyone whenever I was doing this one to just give me a random trinket that they would lost. Uh, it's it's just for flavor and everything, and but kind of helps. It uh, words are hard. Uh, when it comes to world building, you have to remember that the characters are always part of the world too. So the more that you can get your players thinking about their characters, the more you help shape them. It's uh, why I like to use flashbacks a lot. When uh, I, I did actually, I did it mostly whenever I ran Monsters of the Week. Uh, I'd be like, okay, give me a flashback of you doing this thing or what triggers this thing. Um, and along those lines and um, I mean, and also I do it, uh, I just, if I think of something fun, I just pop off in our Discord. I'm like, hey, character question of the day. <laughs> answer this. They don't have to answer it. Uh, but I just think it's fun. And as the GM, you should also just like hearing about your players' characters. 
Oh yeah, the the infamous mm-hmm. saying, you you are fans of the characters. You want the characters to win. Yeah, the the character question of the day is something I don't think I have the like attention span to stick to as a practice, but it's always really interesting whenever you post that in the chat. Yeah, I don't either. It's just whenever I think of something that I think would be funny to either interesting or funny to hear from other people, I'll just toss it in there. One thing I I has lost a lot of money on gotcha game. Yeah. I so I I have thought like so one caveat to um and this is more so for world building with players at the beginning of uh like before you've even really started is if you have players that are not interested in building the world for whatever reason I have had friends it's like yeah we're gonna build this all together it's gonna be really cool like I know I was rigid in my last game but this time I it's like I'm gonna we're gonna do this and then they got there and they like sat there and it's like okay so i see that i should have come here prepared with the full world now um well then just fell back into old habits uh yeah it's it's just no yeah sorry go ahead i was gonna say that thing is really just something that you could easily avoid with the right group of players but you also do need to know if you're trying to incorporate your players into helping to build and and this was even closer to the basis of the world because i was like yeah let's like discuss some of like some of the gods of this weird world that we were making. Guess I should say I was making. It was trying to be we, but um, I only had like one player even being remotely interested, and I lived with them, so they were obligated to be interested. Um, I think I think an easy workaround for situations like that are things like Unbound or Wander mm-hmm. Home or other. Other very narrative-focused games, especially with a GM light uh, structure, where you can then use that to create the world that you are doing. Um, also, absolutely things like the Quiet Year, if you're trying to create oh, the actual yeah. world and yeah. not just you know the setting. It's it's fantastic. Doing stuff like that is great. Um, oh, I want to play that so bad. I think oh, we're gonna have to play it on Fun Shot. But if we do play it for fun shot, that might end up being a streamed episode because we've talked about doing streamed episodes before. Um, mm-hmm. Just so that we can have something like updating visually. But that's that's programming notes, folks. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I'm not saying like the caveat I had was really just kind of know your group a bit, especially if you're trying to get them to help you out, because I love world building, but I also love world building with other people um i i've worked on a lot of creative projects with a friend of mine and we just even before we drank we'd stay up late without any alcohol and just plan worlds together plan comics together because she's a really good artist and stuff and i in theory knew how to write at some point of my life um and it was fun i love doing that i love like it taught me a lot of how to not be so rigid with my ideas because just because I thought my ideas were so good and so clever, it's everyone is so good and so clever with their ideas. Oh, also, uh, definitely talk with your players before you really get far in the world building process. So you can kind of get the tone, um, say what you think the tone is going to be. And then 
talk to your players about what kind of characters they're making just to make sure that tone really matches up. Um, because, I don't know, we, it seems like we are doing some kind of somewhat vaguely sillier characters, but sounds like we have dark things taken from us uh, for the upcoming game. I don't want to say sillier, but... Yeah, um, it, it's weird in a way that, I, I really wouldn't say your characters are goofier than what, say, we're already playing in the Frost Meaning game. Or compared to like other uh, party compositions I've uh, DM'd before, um, but I will say that your party composition so far just really fits in more with a, a fairy tale environment. And I'm not just saying that because you're almost all playing animal creatures. <laughs> <laughs> Look, our our group nickname is uh, our group nickname is already Boys Night, and it's for Ew. good reason. It's it's just a it's just a couple of guys. Hanging out, going on a fun romp around the around the Feywilds. Nothing's gonna go wrong. Nobody's I will gonna say, end up inside out. It's fine. Uh, I will say that whenever I do find out that mostly, I'm pretty sure that you all are playing uh, male-aligned characters. I, I did go back and add more uh, female NPCs because I originally had a lot of female NPCs, I, and I was like, oh, I always write a ton of girls. I need to put more guys in this. And then whenever I found out the whole party's guys, I'm like. Right, well, they're going back to being women. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we accidentally made just a family of boys. It's true. I mean, to be fair, uh, at least one of our players might decide he's playing a woman just like last second and then create another character that's a woman later. Um, but uh, no, I just like when I created, I usually try to just kind of come up with an idea and then this character just ended up being a, a good boy. A good boy. My initial character that I had made, I, I was imagining them as, uh, as non-binary. But then I thought, what about Cat Swashbuckler? <laughs> and, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was the end of that thought process. Now I have no thoughts. Only sass. No thoughts. Only sass. I mean, I do love, like, how, how tall is he again? Like, five foot, maybe? I forgot. I, oh, I don't remember. I think he's something like, he's like five, he's like five, four, five, one without the, without the boots. Okay, so a little shorter, but not, okay. Because we, we also are just kind of a sh group of shorty animal people and then a giant minotaur. We're, we're a group of mostly short kings. Like, <laughs> you know what? Actually, we're a group of exceptions. Because we're all animal folk, except for one of us. We're all boys, except for maybe one of us. We're all short, except for one of us. <laughs> the exceptions that prove the rule. <laughs> we are the odd men out. Fuck. Okay, yeah, that's our group name. Odd the odd men out. out. Ooh. <laughs> oh, gosh. But yeah, Zoe, it sounds like you're really good at trying to keep things open. Um, does it ever cause you issues in the middle of a session? I don't know why I said does that, because I'm sure it does. Yes. Um, I don't know what dreams might... like an interview. That's okay. I, I need prompts so my brain can focus on actually saying things that make sense. Uh, 
because yeah, I'm scatterbrained. Big surprise. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it does because I do try and keep it open, but sometimes you you can't plan for everything, and sometimes there's a big gap, and you're like, hmm. Uh, and to be completely honest, you might see some of that in the middle of the game, because I will say, I, I feel like I'm pretty good at writing the starts of games, and I'm good at figuring out where the games are going to end. And mm -hmm. then the middle is just all uncharted territory. So I'm like, oh, okay, how, how do these connect? Yeah. Because you want to keep it open so that you don't feel like you're railroading, but also it can just keep expanding outward and outward and outward. Um... Something well, don't worry. I was something I was grateful for in your Tomb of Annihilation game, um, that has changed a bit of how I do player involvement in the world. Is I don't remember whether it was something I came to you with or if it was something you posed to us, but there were active factions going on in that game, and. I don't remember if any of the other characters had connections to the factions, but I worked one of the factions into my backstory and like you gave you gave more opportunities for that to come into play as a result. Like you you gave me then reasons to engage with the world or not engage as was appropriate for my character's relationship to that faction. And that's, yeah. that's a useful thing to do, especially if you're going into a into a game with you know, faction play. Yes, spoilers about spoilers about mm -hmm. the Feywilds. There's fractions. Factions. Yeah, oh, there's not numbers. I was hoping there were gonna be fat no oh no, don't get factions. My gristle is not good at math. <laughs> well, I'm just gonna go home. I don't I don't need what was stolen. It's okay. It's it's okay, Gristle. My my character will handle fractions. So he'll make sure everything's split up fairly. It's fine. Spoilers, <laughs> he's not. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's fine. He, uh, Gristle probably thinks that Sirius, uh, Cyrus, sorry, uh, deserves more than him, anyways. But with that, uh, anything else you guys would like to add before we close up for the evening? Uh, I just want to reiterate something that Zoe said because it was a really good little bite there. Um, you want to make sure your you want to make sure your worlds feel lived in, but you have to remember that your characters live in that world too. Your characters are part of the world, so if the characters feel at odds with the world, something needs to change. And realistically, nine times out of ten, it should be your world. It should be your world that changes because. You have so much control over the world, and the players have so little. Con like, they have control over the world, but realistically, let your mm -hmm. players have the characters that they're doing, unless they are actively harmful to the other people at the table. Especially if this is after the first session. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, again, the, this stands true, I believe, even before the first session, but after the first session, these people have made the characters they want to play at that point. And you let them, you fool. You cannot stop them. You the cannot bulldoze over you. you they will take glyph of warding. Yeah. <laughs> ha, this character <laughs> can't cast spells. Ha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't cast spells. But Unless... where can we find you, Miles? Uh, uh not on you the can... 
You can find me on multiple other podcasts, including Funshot, uh, where we're still doing Unbound, uh, or On Air Book Fair, where tomorrow, uh, you know, God willing and the power stays on, um, we are going to be recording our one-year anniversary special episode. Uh, we've, we've been doing this for a year, aside from, you know, programming delays, but uh, we'll have been doing this for a year in, in a week from now so that's a really exciting thing and it's fun and it's been an interesting endeavor you know even with all of the slowdowns and uh hiatuses we've had we've read 12 books in a year which is 12 more than i read the previous year even if they're not always great or you know incredible works of art still decent books and that's still it's reading that's still engaging that part <laughs> yeah it's engaging that part of my brain um and we're going to be doing a little a little bracket to figure out what our favorite book of that year was. Um, theoretically, we're going to do double elimination. I'm going to be operating the loser's bracket a little bit behind the scenes as we move. And I kind of already have a feeling what I think it's going to come down to. It's going to be Elemist. I, I, it's either I that or Scorpion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I put them on opposite sides of the bracket for a reason. Uh because I know that that's going to be the final discussion anyway. Um, but yeah, since it's 12 books, we did four books that get seeded into the second round just from the get-go, and that was House of the Scorpion, um, House of the Scorpion, Elemist Chronicles, Percy Jackson, and Redwall. Because realistically, most of the books that those would go up against in the first round, percentage-wise, they would probably beat. So, All right, don't give uh, the people too much information. <laughs> I know, the yeah, I yeah. To the podcast. Yeah, and uh, right. we're, we're going to be doing a special episode, and it's fun. Sorry, yeah, you can find that, Fun Shot, the rest of this, all on mimicsmarket.com. Um, you can reach us at mimicsmarket at gmail.com, and we have links to our Twitters and stuff on that, uh, except for Zoe. Uh, Zoe, you're not on mimicsmarket.com because you've yet to become a cool kid. Uh, where can uh, people <laughs> find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Z-A-M underscore Pi, um, where I yell about Final Fantasy and cooking and some other stuff. Um, and also sometimes, I mean, 100% now I've always been on, um, Funshot as well. Uh, but... True. <laughs> uh, you are a series regular. Yes, for now. As and, long as I mean... Like, in Mostly just because of my job. Just, yeah. Anyways, that's a conversation not on the air about how my work schedule might change. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Uh, thank you all for listening this far. Please rate us, all that jazz. We really do actually appreciate it if you've listened to all of this. Love you all. Bye-bye. All right, have a good night. Bye. Okay, kill Craig. Oh, we're kicking out Craig? Fuck him. <laughs>